So this week we are again uh, supported by Tamplo. Um, Tamplo is a uh, online tool that uh, turns meetings into actions uh, and uh, has a number of different features. Uh, the bit I'm going to talk about today is around the project and task management and the follow-up. Uh, essentially, you have uh, a clear dashboard that shows you an overview of scheduled tasks, alert ta for late tasks, an overview of team's progress. It saves you jumping into your Outlook and being di diverted by that mor morass of email that we get. Um, you can create your own daily plan in there, or you can, as a project manager, you may be assigning tasks to people. And those people can look at those, uh, have their own daily plans, adding in their own specific items they've got to do, as well as the things allocated to them. Uh, the, for the project management point of view, you get a dedicated dashboard with a list of tasks, knowing what people are working on on each project. And there's a load of collaboration capability in there. With the goal of getting no task left undone, uh, more, efficient and mo uh, more efficiency and motivation, and clear action plans. So if you want to see what this is all about, jump along to tinyurl.com com slash Nigel Creaser Templo. That's all one word, Nigel Creaser Templo. Have fun. Hi and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager Podcast for Sunday the 15th of May 2022. And this week we've got Elizabeth Harron on the show, the rebellious PM. What has been going on with me? Uh, I think well, I've been prepping at the moment. Um, a couple of things really. We're prepping for the presentation at the PM conference in Greece, the 17th PM conference. Not in Greece, actually. For, for, it's a, a Greek conference on the 26th of May. Um, there's a link in the show notes to get a, a ticket if you want. There's some great speakers there and me as well. So I'm. Uh, been prepping for that, still got a bit of rehearsal to do on it, pretty much got it sorted and got a bit of technology. I've been playing this morning actually with uh, uh, things which are called now um, OBS Studio, which uh, is a nice new learning curve there about streaming and stuff like that, so that's going to be fun. Uh, excited, nervous, um, but in there. Podcast wise, quite a few interviews uh, in the bag still. And next week, between now and next week, the uh, next couple of weeks episode, we've got a whole raft of interviews to do. Um, I have been looking, I'm toying with the idea. I've not decided yet because I haven't got all the interviews done. But I think by the end of June, I will have enough interviews that go into quite a way into next year on my current release schedule. So I may start pushing this thing weekly. And as you can imagine, that puts a bit more pressure on making sure I've got enough people but then if I've got a nice big bow wave uh, uh, sorry backlog uh, that won't be too bad so that's uh, quite good encouraging that we're getting that many people uh, keen to come on the show I'm not doing lots and lots of running around chasing people I'm getting quite a few people approaching me which is fantastic and really back to get some really good guests on the show so thank you very much Sean. but as ever if people um, if you know somebody you think you'd love to hear their story or has a bit of um, advice that would um, be usable by the rest of the project management community. Um, point them at me, point them at me at them, them at me, or if it's you, just give me a shout, um, podcast at com, and we'll uh, get you on the show 
at someone. Um, I think uh, other side, what else is going on health-wise, mental health-wise? Dodgy knee still going into recovery. Meant I've been able to get out on my bicycle uh, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, as you say, I haven't put I want to get out tomorrow or something. Um, just to spin the legs, uh, not too much pressure on the knee. Um, and that's building up, so that's good. And then I can get back to running um, in a few months, probably. And back to judo a little while after that. Uh, I've got to say, I've got some uh, great support from a sporting point of view. Um, I'm lucky to have a couple of people who support me on that. Um, Talk Fuel, which is, uh, in my opinion, the best nutrition you can get. Um, we've got stuff like Apple Company, it's fantastic. And then I've got a, a company called Scimitar who provide me with some uh, running gear and cycling gear. And they look fantastic, funky running and cycling gear. Um, so, yeah, you'll probably see them popping up on my sponsors list at different points on different screens. We'll give them a bit of recognition and a bit of love across the, the podcast, along with my brother's business, Creases Motorcycles and Customs, and my friend Paul's business, Chili. Uh, Blackchain, which um, uh, is a uh, IT and hosting and all, all manner of things that they do, uh, anything IT-wise. Um, so jump in the notes, have a look at those guys. Um, and I think really um, those those are the main things I wanted to cover this week. Um, and I'm going to let you listen to uh, the first part of this show with Elizabeth Harris called Rebellious PM and that's the children. Cheers now. Today I'm delighted to welcome Elizabeth Harrin to the show. Um, Elizabeth holds degrees from universities of York, York and Roehampton and has published several books on project management. She is a fellow of the Association for Project Management and as a practitioner Elizabeth has over 20 years of diverse experience in business change and technology projects, uh, predominantly in the healthcare and financial services industries. She's a director at Otto Boss Consultants Limited, a consultancy that supports project-led business chain, businesses with training, mentoring, and content design, where she specializes in helping teams manage multiple projects, engaging stakeholders, uh, and still leave the engage, helping and engage stakeholders and still leave the office on time. Uh, and she can speak probably a lot better than me uh, at this moment. <laughs> uh, she also, uh, and I'm sure many people listening will have heard that she, uh, the Rebel's Guide to Project Management is her blog, um, which if my memory serves, you've been doing for a few years now, uh, and it's quite popular. So welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes, Rebel's Guide to Project Management, as a name we've only used that name since the beginning of 2022 so yeah. if you if your listeners have come across it before they might have no, known it as girls guide to project management and that rebranding story is a whole project in itself that we yeah. can talk about if you like we may get into that because it was one of the ones i was wondering to ask about but um <laughs> yeah i can imagine there's a there's a there's a few a few social issues and social things that would have influenced it i imagine but yes, we'll find indeed. out a little bit about that but before we delve into that, and let's say welcome to the show, let's start right at the beginning. Um, when, where were you born? Where was I born? Yeah. Just down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Just down the road from where I live now. Um, yeah. So I grew up in Sussex in the yeah. south of the UK. Okay, cool. And uh, 
so and that's where you live now as you say you've not you know moved far, yes far. I have I'm, I have moved far in between but I came back all oh, right so I well, you just listed out all of all the places I've been really um I was in York for three years at university and then um worked in London for a bit worked in Paris for a bit but children in London didn't really go together so yeah. we, we moved back to Sussex all right wow excellent so you mentioned children now so what, what what's the family situation with you then well we have two boys um and yeah so they they're at school they have meant that i manage my work around school hours three days a week so i work part-time uh, which is is works out well really it gives me a bit of balance of everything and allows me to be the parent i think i want to be although i think probably like many working parents i end up feeling like i don't do the parenting part very well and i don't do the job part very well because i do none of them on a full-time basis but you know we muddle through we're all right yeah i think there's always that balance isn't there it's like it's that whole um i've, I've recently i was i was off for a little while and i gradually returned back to work on a, on a, a, um, a three-week three-week basis at one point and i i to me it, i felt it was probably just about the right balance for me rather than doing five days a week um and kind of uh I now have a goal of that's where I would like to be and I know uh, as you say you've got that that ever-present tension between being uh, doing and being the, the person you want to be at home with the family and the, and the kids and then in the in the role of a project management it, you've you've got so much investment in success of the projects that you're delivering and your clients and your team that it's there is always really a, a guilt feeling in some ways I find that you yep. that, that you're not as you say you not that you're not doing the best or not trying your best or not even doing a good job there's just a guilt that you there's always something you could do there's always more, more that you could do yeah. in my old job I worked four days a week so I didn't work on a Friday and there was a point where for whatever reason before I came onto the project the regular updates were scheduled for Fridays and they wanted me to be the, to come on and be the project manager on that project and I said well happy to do that of course but I don't work on Fridays can we move our weekly project team catch-up call of the stakeholders to a different day and they went away talked about it came back and said no so for a long time I ended up working on my day off so that I could facilitate that call and I hated it yeah I don't blame you and I should have stood my ground a bit more really and just not showed up yeah I, agree. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I have I, I understand from an organization point of view sometimes that that is how it there are certain things that you, you have to do in your flow of the business thing, but then maybe it's the, the wrong person in that role. And, and maybe it's, but then, I don't know. I like a rhythm in a project and I like to make sure that you've got stuff going in an organizational rhythm, but sometimes you sit there and think, well, actually, is it that important? Um, and, maybe and I, I know was the wrong project manager for that. If they needed maybe. someone because the Fridays were important to the cadence of the project, Maybe it wasn't me. Maybe there was space for them to have a conversation with me that said, if you work four days a week, how about dropping Mondays and work yeah. Tuesday to Friday instead? But the expectation that I would fit around them, I don't know how much that was on their side or how much that was in my head, because I never yeah. said, let's have a conversation about me changing my hours. Because I would, I felt like I couldn't do that. I felt like I didn't want to be troublesome. I felt like I was the part-timer who didn't want to be making being part-time a problem yeah 
and all of those career blocking things that go through your head you know they could have been perfectly nice about it I never challenged it in a robust enough way so I I don't know but I think if I went through that experience again I would be I would approach it differently yeah and I think I think I imagine that that kind of, I, I've had a, some interesting conversations recently that probably I wouldn't have done it kind of a, a joining up with the remote working and hybrid working scenarios now and I've kind of when I've been talking to people I'm saying well I have a, a commute to the office uh, and I've basically said if if I'm going to go to the office I'm going to go there to do things that I can only do in an office which are build relationships workshop around a whiteboard th those kind of things I'm not going to go into an office use up company resources use up travel resources uh, use up resources of the planet to sit and do a series of teams calls sat at a desk somewhere else mm. just seems nonsensical to do it and and everyone i've talked to with uh, my organization and the other everyone seems to be of a similar vein but there are i know there are pockets of organization going we don't and, and depends on the nature of your business i suppose but i think i've just been managing for two years projects where i've been I haven't seen, I haven't met some of the people that I had on some of my projects. Um, and, and I've worked with them for a year, six months, nine months. I never actually sat, saw them. I've yeah. got some people I've, who didn't like putting the video on. And so I've never even seen them. I don't even know if they're, <laughs> they may even be an avatar for all I know. They may not be doing an AI or something like that. So oh. I know well, so Eddie O'Bang probably there would uh, be yeah, very supportive of. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that, what you said about using up the resources of the planet is interesting because um, I was at a conference earlier in the month and there was a talk about responsible project management. Dr. Karen Thompson yeah. talked. Karen's she, great. Yeah, and she was talking about the, one of the first things she said when she stood on the stage was, "Did a, how much did we think about our footprint, our carbon footprint of actually getting into London? And I'm like, I didn't think about that at all. And actually, in terms of the, the impact of that room being full of people who just turned up to listen to talks, it was a good experience. It was lovely to see people in real life. I'm glad it was a face-to-face -face conference, but that environmental impact is not top of mind or was yeah. not top of mind for me. And it must be the same with going into the office. We do it because yeah. we're conditioned to do it, not because it's really helpful. Yeah. But I, I agree, if we, we've got a, um, a team meeting coming up where it will be valuable for us all to be in the same room and we will all be in the same room. But mostly what we do is all on Teams and Zoom and yeah. Slack. And it, because because we can and why yeah, wouldn't you yeah i think it's 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 superb the tooling that we've got and funnily enough two years ago we had the same tools available yes they weren't as slick as they are now maybe and there wasn't as many enhancements as there's been on but we had we had all this this exact same tool that we're using here it was available we just didn't use it that much do we not that much I and mean, i've worked remotely well i would say since the children were born so mm. pushing 10 years now yeah because working from home, even when I lived in London, was convenient and people did it, especially on yeah. Fridays. Yeah, yeah. And we would still have meetings. We'd still all join a conference calls, admittedly. It would be dial in and enter your PIN number. And then it would say, beep, has joined the call. And all that old stuff that we laugh about now. Yeah, when you have 20 people joining, you spend most of the first 10 minutes of the meeting listening to the person who come in late. Uh, yeah, yes. I remember that. Yeah, but, you know, we did have the tech not as like you say not as good yeah and i think um 
there's, there's lots of benefits to having it there's lots of disadvantages and I'm a bit of an introvert I'm quite happy to be at home never see anybody yeah. the disadvantage for me is that I have to eat more carefully now <laughs> <laughs> because I don't have a commute I don't yeah. walk to the station I don't walk at the other end yeah. I don't walk up and down four flights of stairs every day like I used to when we were in the office but yeah. you know I know, I know that, yeah I know that feeling I, I was uh, the other thing is is I'm I got quite disciplined in what I ate from a point of view that I would make a batch of the meals that I would take and I, I have the same thing every day pretty much I can be a, I can be I love very variety but if it's easy I don't mind because quite often I'll just choose the same thing so I just used to take the same thing so I always had it with me so my lunch was there I didn't have to. So one thing I say is where I have, when I have choices, I make poor choices um, with food and therefore it taking it with. Whereas now I've got a kitchen that has a number of different <laughs> things that I can eat. And it's kind of, again, it's like, oh, shall I have something healthy and good or shall I just have a cheese toasty? And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is much easier. It is much harder, sorry, to, to and movement as well, I think, is, is another one that's... Uh... The movement is the issue for me. The food, not so much, because I like, and this is the, perhaps, you know, where project management spills over into your personal life and you can't not be a project manager, is I plan out the meals for the week. So yeah. I know what I'm going to eat. A batch cook at the weekend, which does mean I eat the same thing several times in the week, but it means I can have a quick lunch break as well. Yeah. Just go in, microwave whatever the leftovers are, or heat up the soup that I made at the weekend or do poached egg on toast which is my go-to for breakfast and for lunch never both on the same day but you oh, know if I didn't yeah. have it for lunch I'll have it for breakfast <laughs> yeah it's, and, it's scrambled eggs for me is the one that I like to yeah three um, eggs scrambled bang and it's, it's, it's quick two minutes yeah but that is better than a big jacket potato from the cafe across the road laden with butter and cheese yeah true very true it's always it's so when someone's oh do you fancy popping out for so in the office if you've got your meal with you you kind of go well i've got i've got this with me now so you don't do it do you no. so uh, i said i said <laughs> anyway, we, i said we're going to have rabbit actually holes, started the interview yet yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is what these uh, this is what the podcast this podcast is like we'll talk about what's interesting and again it's interesting my breakfast it's, choices are interesting yeah, sorry yeah. people listening yeah <laughs> i but, recommend the egg on toast yeah yeah well you yeah, can't be a poached egg i just too, too much water to boil and stuff i'm too late again if it's simple i'll do it um all about productivity and speed for me at the moment that's kind of top left ref right whichever way it is um it, it's um interesting so just th thinking about um uh, getting back on track on my list things the next thing you're saying you've got the family there you've got the two kids so we're talking about the kids where did you grow up you you grew up in sussex and kind that's of right. um and 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 what did you want to be when you were growing up? Did you want to be a project manager? No, I didn't know project management was a thing. I didn't know the job existed till I was already at work. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to be, really. Having said that, that's not really true. I wanted to be a paramedic. Mm -hmm. And I was a volunteer with the Red Cross. Um, when I was younger, I wrote to the ambulance service and said, what do I need to be a paramedic? And they wrote back saying, pretty much nothing. You can join straight out of school. and We'll train you with everything you need to know. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, yeah, but I really want to go to university. I don't know if I want to do that. And I certainly don't want to be a nurse or a doctor. So it, it was the excitement of the, the, the environment, I think, appealed to me more than, um, than anything. And so I thought, well, I'll go to university and then I can defer that choice and work out what I want to be after. And then if I still feel like 
being a paramedic is the right thing, I'll do that. And at, at university, I did English and linguistics for my undergrad degree, and that was pretty much not relevant for any job in the real world, apart from being an English teacher, which considered for about five minutes, but I didn't really see that as my calling either, which is ironic given the amount of teaching I do at the moment, but there we go. Um, but teaching adults and teaching kids, I think is different. And so after university, I thought I still don't have any idea and you know I need to get a job I'm not going to stay when I do a master's like some of my friends I, I need to be working now and earning some money so in those days I don't know if they still do it but the, you know graduate training schemes in the milk round and the yeah. employers came to the university so we had that career service talk about all the different things the big blue chip companies that you could go and be a graduate trainee at and I thought oh, okay I'll do some interviews with them and and see what sticks really so I did a few interviews with big companies and I remember doing one for a bank and it I was I was awful I mean I I did not deserve to get the job I had not prepped properly I didn't understand anything about finance and um, I left there thinking there's, I cannot do this again I cannot go into an interview and look like an idiot like that again and so I prepped much better for future interviews it was a really good learning experience unsurprisingly I didn't get that job and um and then I landed a job with American Express on their graduate training scheme. So I, did, you know, I, I set out to do to do four different placements in a year. Did whatever training they threw at me, which was a lot. Um, we were very lucky, actually. We learned a lot, and we were mentored by people, and uh, we got to see different bits of the business. And that's when I discovered that project management was a thing. Yeah. And then I, oh wow, you know, there's a job, and it involves ticking things off on a list and telling people what to do because when I was interviewing I'd obviously I'd made myself a spreadsheet of you know who I was interviewing with and what stage I was in my application and what the results were and I, I was always quite an organized list ticky off person yeah. and then suddenly to know that there was a whole profession it was, I wouldn't have known it as a profession then but a whole job a career path that was organizing other people I was like yes this is me this is what I want to do and so I found project management quite early but accidentally that was a very long answer to your question no, sorry right. it's it's <laughs> it's it's exactly the it's not an uncommon thing that I've heard and I, I know that I, with the graduate schemes and I know that my organization I work with it, it's got graduate schemes and apprentice schemes and where people go through um, uh, several different parts of the organization and I think it's a fantastic way of getting into an organization rather than going in and going immediately pigeonholed for something you've been at university maybe you studied kind of got on all right with it or maybe you've not and you just end up stuck in one vertical skill area that actually ain't you and and you would never know that because you exactly. don't know what else is out there well, and that's or you spend yeah, 12 months doing it and you can't then it's hard to jump across yes. isn't it it is hard to jump across. Well, after the graduate training scheme, we weren't guaranteed jobs. So we had to find a job in the organisation. Yeah. And I ended up working in HR, which was OK, but it wasn't really my calling. And I knew at that yeah. point that I wanted project management. So I applied for some project management jobs within the organisation and there weren't really opportunities there. Um, so, you know, just back on the looking at job adverts, finding out what there was. And um, I got my first proper project management job after... Well, I was only with American Express about 18 months, I think. Mm -hmm. So 
unfortunately, I did went through all their graduate training scheme, learned a ton of stuff, made some really nice connections, and then left. Um, wow. But, you know, I was there with my next company for quite a while. So well, <laughs> I think I made the right choice. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is with from both organisation and people point of view, if the organisation get, I imagine that there are for every 10 people that go through their or through that cookie cutter there's going to be a proportion that can't find the right role for them within their organization mm. they're not because at that time that role isn't available and some people like you say will will stay and wait and eventually find or stick with what they've got but then others will will step across so i imagine it, but the investment is there isn't it it's about having uh, you can't if you don't do it you won't get the people who will come out of that scheme and then be people running the organization later yes um, because of the, how will you find them so you've always got to have that little bit of attrition and accept the fact that that attrition's there isn't it it's, yeah. I, think, I can't remember who it was it's a hate a quote i've seen on um, for, uh, linkedin so many times it's kind of uh, about training and it's kind of what what if we train these people and they leave mm. and it's kind of like yeah but what if you don't train them and they stay (laughs) and and that's that and I thought yeah that's 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 bigger problem isn't it and it's 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 some organizations kind of just worry about the fact that I know there's some organizations that are that I've heard of that will be going yeah you'll do this training course but if you leave it in 12 months you've got to pay us back for that training course and it's kind of like what what is that saying about how good an environment and culture of keeping people that you've got that someone's going to go right train me and i'll i'll be out the door it's that you're always going to get someone who might do that because that's people isn't it but yes. if you've got an organization that assumes that's going to happen you can't be very confident of how good it is to work there can you? no well no, i don't think i've worked anywhere bad but it's just circumstance and career progression and taking the next step yeah that have, have helped me move on and I haven't worked that many places. Yeah, I think. What was the, I was going to say about that was the, the you said you worked at Amex, and and where did you move on to then? Well, I went to work for AXA. Okay. Yeah. Which was PPP Healthcare at the time, and then became AXA PPP Healthcare, and that was so PPP was a lovely environment to be in. We sorted out health insurance for people so there's a lot yeah. of digital projects communication insurance kind of projects and I remember starting and thinking I was in a meeting with underwriters thinking I do not know what you are talking about I, <laughs> th- there is a jargon and I yeah. do not know it <laughs> I don't even know what an underwriter does why am I in this room and so because they paid anybody could take in the Chartered Insurance Institute exams I thought Okay, it's totally irrelevant to my job because I'm not in an insurance particular role, but I need to be able to do this foundation certificate. So at least I have the vocabulary and I understand what this business is all about. And I think that's so important for for us in project leadership roles um, because we need to understand what what the business is all about. And it's not project managing. I mean, project management is not the reason most companies exist. We are a servant department to help business achieve its objectives. And by understanding you know the basics what is insurance how does it work where does the money go is it good if people claim all that stuff made it much easier for me to have conversations with the the senior stakeholders and the underwriting team and the other people I was working with so I didn't feel so stupid 
and also I felt like I could make better decisions because I had a bit more business context so that was yeah it was fun taking exams yeah I was gonna say I've seen uh, with me it's IT, IT industry is my my business and varying different businesses that I've been in local authorities central government type things but it's always a thing of where I've, I've sat with someone who's a project manager and they've gone I'm not technical and you're in a team running a very technical project and kind of go you, you need to get a bit technical is kind of where you go you kind of need to be able to a little bit talk to these guys about what they're doing what they're implementing and understand so that you can frame the and, and it goes the same if you've got that direct interface with the, the end business, which typically with the roles I'm in, you don't have, I don't tend to. But if you're dealing with the people who are out there delivering that business, the underwriters, the, the, the agents or whatever, being able to talk, you as project manager, be able to talk to the technical teams in the language, understand what they're saying so you can ask the right questions and the same exactly. way to get the right requirements and then you're that bridge and interface you along with sometimes your, your business analyst and your your senior architects but even then they can they can blind, blind your science a little bit but you you're doing that translation job in the middle some way aren't you exactly and when i left insurance and went to work in healthcare i had exactly the same issue yeah. in that i was working with clinical people who talked a different language again and i listened to a lot of podcasts to try to just absorb the language of, of what it means to work in a hospital because yeah. there's so much clinical jargon and um, abbreviations and and things that are normal for them and it's the same when you join any new organization yeah. but getting i created my own glossary so i could refer to it so i didn't have to ask people the same question twice and then I'd write down things I didn't understand in a meeting. And at the end, I'd say to someone I knew quite well, well, OK, now we're going to go through all of these things. I didn't want to interrupt the meeting every five minutes, yeah. but explain to me all of this. Oh, right now I get it. Yeah. And over time, you pick this, this stuff up and it becomes second nature and you can talk the same jargon and, and you know it. But the, those were my tricks to getting started faster based on that insurance experience, because yeah. <laughs> having gone through that industry change once, I think changing industry the second time I was a bit more prepared for the culture shock. And it's funny how, uh, how, how it sticks in your mind as well, those things. Because um, I know that when I, when I first started working, I was working as an accountant and it was uh, in a company that did staircase parts. And, I, and I, at one point I was running the stock system and, and I know the abbreviations for the the part numbers and what that meant cs 010 was sorry a cs 110 was a colonial spindle 110 millimeters and i that's that was 1987 at 88 mm. time that's how long ago <laughs> my brain goes back to things like that and I, I imagine there's things that when you're in those things that you sit back and you'll hear them in maybe in different contexts and actually sometimes you'll hear abbreviations and remember the abbreviation that it was and it's completely different what you're in this context but it's 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 bizarre what your brain will yes. remember yeah. yeah definitely so thinking about um some of my questions i've got here so it's how you got into pming we've heard all about that and the industries you've worked in so what was what was the first your first project that you remember going sitting there and thinking right oh i'm delivering a project here I've got my tick lists and checklists. I'm using them to deliver something. What was that? And tell us a bit about it. Well, that's interesting. I suppose 
I wasn't in charge of a project, but when I was a graduate trainee, we one of my jobs in, the, in those various different graduate placements was to help organise an industry conference on fraud for telecoms people. Mm-hmm. Don't really remember a lot about the content of it. Um, but you know, I had admin related things to do to make sure everybody was there and we had badges and chairs and you know, people knew where to come and we had a guest list and all that kind of stuff to and, and organizing an event is a project oh, in yeah. itself, although I probably wasn't using that language um at the time. And I remember on the actual day of the event turning up at this really fancy hotel in Charing Cross and just being awed by it. So I must have been 22 23 walking into this hotel a hotel of the kind that I had never been in before <laughs> uh, the kind that American Express would hire for events like this uh, to impress yeah, their I can clients imagine, I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was sitting behind the table so people could come and collect their badges so that was my important job on the day and my boss uh, got up and walked and as people came in she would walk over to them and say hello and shake hands and you know do the schmoozing stuff and I remember that part of the project thinking oh my god that's what I'm expected to do I am I expected to do that you know what why am I sitting here behind this table she looks so confident and I suppose that was my first moment of thinking it's not just about have I got all the right people? Have I got the right bums on seats? Has everybody got a name badge? Who's lost at the tube station who I need to phone? It was about the smiling and the handshaking and the connections and the relationships. Um, and I think seeing her do that role made me think, yeah, this this is expected. This is what is part of any corporate role. But, you know, as an inexperienced, shy introvert, that's not natural to me so I suppose seeing it made having people role model what is the right behavior when you haven't seen that before just you know when you're new in the workplace I remember someone when I was temping at university I remember someone having to show me how to use a fax machine so you know these things when you're new in the workplace nobody teaches you that when when someone arrives you get up and you go over and shake their hand because everybody does it you know I wouldn't think to teach somebody that now because I would just do that I make small talk if I go down and collect a visitor from reception I talk to them while we go up in the lift and it's it's just that small talk so I suppose that this is a very long-winded way of saying that was the first time I remember I, I suppose I thought that the people aspect of getting projects completed is just as important as the actual behind the scenes admin stuff and, and it's like so as you say there that the um it, it's all about the people the 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 tools and the techniques and the tick lists are there. They're, they're essential tools for the people. And, and without the people, it doesn't get done, does it? And without those relationships and without that communication, nothing happens. No. And I think and I we forget lucky. it sometimes. We do, but I think I was lucky to see it and have that light bulb moment quite early. Yeah. Because it just underpins the fact that, you know, I've seen people who struggle with small talk and I mentor project managers and there's always this you know somebody would to give an example um was saying well I'm not really sure if this is going to happen or what we should do and I said well have you spoken to that person oh no am I allowed to ring them I mean they didn't that wasn't the words that they used but you know the sentiment was I don't know in my role if I am allowed to talk to these people yes you are allowed to talk to them you pick up the phone and you talk to your stakeholders this is part of the job yeah. And I think that that is the thing, isn't it, is stakeholders is the one 
and when you take stakeholders being the, the people with the purse strings down to the people who are using the system and spin it that the whole the, because sometimes we forget that as well don't we we forget the fact that the the real stakeholders are much um wider and more varied than you realize i don't think you forget that in a hospital because yeah. I think I'm sure I'm sure I did in insurance because in insurance world you hope people will never use your product because that's how you rake in the money but in a hospital when I did my induction I went to visit a hospital and had a tour and we're going behind the scenes and stuff I remember standing at the reception desk and the lady in front of me was crying yeah. and she was a, a visitor or a patient and I was thinking wow this is what we do if my computers if I my IT project puts computers into theater and they break someone gets their operation cancelled and they have to live with breast cancer for another day yeah. and that is unacceptable yeah. and so in the healthcare environment it's really clear to see and you you never forget that the end customer is the patient is the consultant you're trying to make people's lives easier and yeah. you know the, the the family who come and visit it's it's a huge stakeholder pool but it's it's really obvious whereas i think in other industries it's perhaps less obvious who yeah. who your end customer really is yeah and it's it's really understanding what you do about it where you've got the as you say with the phone call ones it's generally about people who've got purse strings or you're or they're doing something for you and that and it's yes. that those are the ones that as you say it's kind of um we do and i get it a little bit as well is is around um the hierarchy in organizations the whether someone is senior, more senior, less senior, do you want to trouble them? You know, they're busy and it's, a, it's, it's not, and you know what I mean? It's that kind of, how do you, and sometimes it, you, being cognizant of those situations is, is right, but having them stop you is wrong. Yes. And it's how do I approach this person in the most appropriate way for them? Yeah. Oh yeah. And one of the things I do is find out who their executive assistant is, if they're the kind of person who has an executive assistant. Yeah. Um, because they will often know the right way to approach or they'll be able to deal with it themselves without yeah. having to get get hold of that stakeholder yourself yeah. so they can be quite useful connections but yeah. I've done all all the things that you read about I've done stand you know get into the office early and then hover by the lifts until someone who important arrives and then oh I'll just walk yeah. you to your first meeting yeah. and, and <laughs> talk to them on the way I've had conversations with the CEO during a fire a fire drill so we all exited and I just happened to find myself next to him walking down the stairs great pick your brains <laughs> you know, take your moments don't you when you can yeah although we don't really do that in virtual world it's those kind of accidental encounters is harder to engineer they are but I do think that, that we've got the alternative of chat messages which are if you're if you're not sitting back going oh i can't talk to that person that info it's an informal way of pinging a message to someone which doesn't demand an immediate response mm. that you can go hi um i'm just managing this project in a moment. have you got five minutes just to chat on to about this and and that's much easier um it or, or it's similar isn't it if you've got something you really need to get that detail to and you can use that method now and it's yes. not not an odd thing to do anymore is it no and presence indicators in microsoft teams make it really easy and i love looking up people's calendars and even if you can't see 
what their meetings are you can often see when they're available yeah and then you can just you know, then. bit of digital stalking find out when they're going to be yeah. at least open to seeing a message or conversely yeah. if you don't want to talk to them you ring them at a point that you know they're going to be in a meeting <laughs> leave a voicemail <laughs> that's a good technique as well i suppose that's very good and that's I, I think the thing is with me is i always try to make make my um uh where within our organization where, you, where you're sharing with people that you you know to try and make it very clear what the hell i'm doing i think it's really useful that people can look at my diary they say your diary looks really busy and, and it's kind of like yeah i and and it's very colorful because i do color code it for me and for others as well so if it's personal stuff i make it bright yellow so what my lunch hour i block out says lunch do not book and it's bright yellow and it's funny i don't get many invites in that section now people have stopped inviting them inviting me to stuff around that period so i get that break time and i think it is but if someone wants to talk to me and pings me a message and i go back to them in that period well that's fine isn't it it's your choice, that though, choice. Isn't it? yeah yeah i'm I seeing think... more people put on the bottom of their emails and i've got it on mine now too my normal working hours are blah 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 yeah. i'm sending you this email at a time that suits me but i don't expect a response yeah. because i think with international teams as well and yeah. just this understanding that someone like me who's working part-time around family i'm not always there in the afternoons yeah. so if it's really urgent or because i might be a bit bored i might pick up and open my laptop in the evening this morning I, you know i was in work at half past seven but that's just because it suits me not because i'm yeah. um, you know it's just just how it works out in my life and i don't want people to feel obliged that they have to email me back the minute that they see the message and i think there's becoming that more we're, we're a bit better at boundaries now than perhaps we were a couple of years ago yeah it's a different i think i think people accept that make sorry we all feel as if we can set boundaries yes more now because um certainly for me with mental health issue that i had last year part of the reason for that was I wasn't setting my boundaries properly when working from home and I was letting my work stretch and then since I've been back it's kind of been one of these ones of right I'm, I'm being brutal about my boundaries and setting my boundaries and those and I know looking back before the lockdown era and all that and for those well, people who know when we're recording this anyway um it's all right sometimes it'll get published when it get published but it's March, just the end of it's just March 2022. It's just over two years since uh, the pandemic in the UK. Um, and I know that for several years before that, and for a lot of time, I'd have my company phone, I'd have it with me, I'd have email on there, I'd have, I'd, and I'd, I'd be checking it, using it out of hours for work. And, and it just, I don't have the company email on my phone anymore. Because I, I use my laptop for the email, I'll be personal email on there, but for, for the company email, it's kind of, I, I'll check it when I check it. And I, I well, I, half the time I don't check email these days, but that's another story entirely. Um, I, I try to keep myself to certain slots when I look at it and don't read most of it. Um, but it's, I think it's, uh, it, I've lost my train of blooming thought there. Yeah, it's about these boundaries. About <laughs> it's us, boundaries. Uh, yeah, it's about the boundaries and, and making those boundaries. Uh, and I think it's there's a different expectation on the boundaries now. I hope it's all that. Maybe it's just the fact that I've set mine, and I'm seeing hopefully people mirroring mine a little bit. And I've been talking to um, everybody at everybody in my uh, sort of like 
circle who I deal with, I say, these are my boundaries. This is what I do. And some of them are taking that on board and do it themselves. Yes. Which, uh, which is good. It's all better for all of us, isn't it, really? It is. Thank you, Elizabeth, for that chat. That's part one done. Come back next week, have a listen to part two. Um, I'm sure you'll uh, agree this with some fantastic information and advice through that call. Um, and yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you very much, everyone. And uh, uh, have a great rest of your day and stuff. If you enjoyed the show, um, it would be brilliant if you uh, would like to support it. A uh, number of ways you can do that. Number one is sharing it with your friends and colleagues. Uh, the more people who hear about it, the more people uh, get to uh, get the experience from my fantastic guests. If you want to go a bit more than that, you can jump onto wherever you listen to this and give me a review. Five stars would be lovely. Uh, and if you want to look at the throwing some cash towards me, there are a number of ways you can do that. You can pop along to the Patreon slash Sunday Lunch PM uh, there. Or you could grab one of the books that I've published over the years and uh, obviously get a little bit of cash from those. On the website under the shop, there under, sorry, yeah, under the shop, I've got links to all of my guests' previous guests' books. And Andy and Joel's is on there. And if you jump along to there, you can... Uh, buy a copy of their books and I get a little kickback from that too and obviously with our new headline sponsor of Tamplo popping along signing up and if you end up using it I will get a kickback there as well so uh, finally obviously as I say every time uh, the most important thing though is come back next time I'll speak to you soon cheers Remember, if you want better meetings and better task follow-up, Tamplo's where to get it. Don't forget your one-month trial, tinyurl.com slash Tamplo. That's N-I-G-E-L-C-R-E-A-S-E-R, Tamplo. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye. <laughs>